Welcome back to our very first conversational podcast. We are the Christian Women's Health Collective, and now you've met us in our stories that we launched last month, and we are here to bring you into the start of back to school and nutrition for both children and you. Here we go. Hi, ladies. Hey, y'all. Well, we're all old. I can't believe the summer's not in school anymore, but <laughs> do what? I said, I can't believe the summer's already gone. So, oh, no. so, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, it went fast. So, but yeah, we are old and we don't have children in school. But if we could change something that we had, I, I, I just know for my kid, you know, I didn't know anything about nutrition when my kid was little and I had my kid while I was still a kid. I was 18 when I got pregnant, 19 when I had her. And so my kid had fruit by the foot and Lunchables and mm. all that really, really bad stuff. I eat cereal for dinner, y'all. <laughs> Me too. Is that my kids? Four. <laughs> Me too. Ramen noodles. Yep. That's yep. When you learn better, you do better. That's and that's, right. I mean, that's about all it is. It's about a journey. It's about, you know, taking baby steps because that's what it is and yeah. the more we can bring our children into that it, it's just gonna ripple out and go into their life and their health going forward um, yeah. yeah we've always had a lot of conversations around food at our house because my daughter was diagnosed with food allergies when she was so little so our food health journey started when she was born basically and so we've been on that nutrition path for a long time and uh, but I certainly made mistakes when they were younger that I would change now obviously but um yeah we've done done try done and tried a lot of things with the kids uh to get them to eat healthy over the years so yeah hmm. what are some things you would have done different what are some things that come to mind um, I would not have worried about their weight so much when they were little because they were always, um, you know, on the growth charts, like, um, low for height, low for weight, but I am only five foot tall. My husband's only five, six and everyone in our families is small. And so our kids were really small, but the doctor was always so worried, like feed them more, feed them more, feed them more. And uh, looking back, I'm like, I wouldn't have worried about that so much. You know, um, they <clears throat> ate when they were hungry and they didn't when they weren't. And it was fine. I think I was, well, you know, a new mom, you're just obsessed about everything, you know, right? Especially when their baby's like, how many ounces did they drink? How many yeah. dirty diapers did they have today? Like, you know, and so you get kind of in that focus of that. And so, um, yeah, I think I wouldn't have stressed quite so much about how much they were actually eating. And I definitely, with my daughter's food allergies, now knowing some of the like um dairy that people replace milk with and stuff like the different types of milks out there like I definitely would have there are some that I definitely would have avoided um now looking back you know I probably would not be giving them soy milk instead of um you know cow's milk and stuff and so yeah we've changed a lot over the years and tried a lot of different things and um so Mm. the soy was pushed a lot 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I know it was pushed a lot. My daughter, my older daughter, she had an issue. I don't remember why, but it was, you know, when we did move to formula, because I, I breastfed her until she was seven months old. And, you know, and then they started changing her formula and they pushed us into soy. And I'm like, I didn't know any better then, but I yeah. sure wouldn't do that now. Oh, no. I wouldn't do that now. Mm-hmm. Yep, same. Because mm-hmm. my daughter actually had ended up developing a soy allergy later on also, mm-hmm. in addition to the dairy. So, yeah. 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 Didn't have and, food and she's. Mm. Sorry, Sherry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say she she is um, lactose intolerant. So that's probably why we got moved over. We didn't know at that point in time. She wasn't like we weren't told at that point in time, but that might have been why we ended up in the soy. But you're right. There's a lot of better choices out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. including I think goat's milk because goat's milk is more like human milk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yep I didn't even know I think I was just the mom that didn't really know there were options you know I listened to my mother-in-law and the pediatrician that was it um, I had a, a few magazines here and there that I could pick up but it seemed that they all said the same thing so you read one you read them all and so I mean I was just I was just that mom that just used what I had. So my four kids, they grew up with a lot of not so good and they've kept all these habits. A few of them I'm trying to change over now, but they're like, mom, you're healthy. That's gross. So it's been kind of a challenge <laughs> to incorporate them, but it's happening slowly, but surely. <laughs> yeah. You know, growing up in the South, my daughter ate pretty much anything that was put in front of her. She didn't, I know I was like that as a kid too. There was nothing I wouldn't eat. I ate Brussels sprouts and I ate the gross Brussels sprouts that were frozen in butter sauce. And um, the one thing that I didn't like growing up was asparagus. And that was because my mom had that, she would buy them in the can and they were really mushy and gross. And um, so I never forced my kid to eat asparagus, although she loves them now, but she would eat all the vegetables, the whole spectrum of vegetables. And as she got older, she started to not like some of them like green beans or whatever, but she also, you know, ate tons of fried foods and, you know, a lot of sugar because being a kid, having a kid, I had a $38 a week budget and I didn't know any different. I, I would spend and, you know, this was 27 years ago, so groceries weren't near what they are now, and you could actually live on $38 a week, but it was still trash food, like store brand carbohydrate crackers and, you know, just the cheapest stuff I could get my hands on. And um, if I knew now that if I just spent that little bit of money making a spaghetti sauce or making, you know, a casserole of some sort that had, you know, the the colors and and yeah I know I'm I'm carnivore now but back then I wasn't that had the you know the colorful vegetables and stuff in it instead of focusing so much on carbs I probably would see her a little health be a little healthier today but her choices and foods today are atrocious and it's much like you Julie as much as I have changed in nutrition and and I started to get healthy when she was 11 she still choose it it's almost like she rebels against me now for making her be healthy for those adolescent teenage years in her life (laughs) 
yeah <laughs> so it's a lot of fast food and a yeah. lot of a lot of just really crappy beverages and it's yeah. sad yeah you know it's interesting I don't think you realize I do not realize as a mom you know, like I heard so long children are resilient or whatever I never realized they are picking up these habits that they will forever have for life like I, I did just did not register to me food was one of the things that I needed to pay attention to in that you know behavior but not food yeah and then the behavior is tied to the food exactly which is is what I found and dealt with a lot because again my daughter was 11 years old also when we started going down that path of making the changes and yeah and yesterday I got a picture from Jordan that with um, the meal that was made last night which was ratatouille and it was beautiful and I mean all of the the cutting up and whatnot she's you know so talented in going into the refrigerator and uh, she didn't get this from me pulling out whatever and creating a meal (laughs) out of it and I'm just like wish I had that talent but um, you know what I was going to say too is is that um, it does matter it does matter with what uh, your kid is eating especially before you send them to school. So, um, you know, as far as, you know, and I'm going to go back to Jordan with ADHD, but you have to um, take a look at what are they eating? Yeah. Because if it is full of sugar, which, you you know, what are we told to give them at breakfast? You know, waffles and toast and, you know, all of these cinnamon rolls, whatever it is, and whatever we can get in their bodies before they head to school, because that's much better, right? Yeah. But think about it. If you sat there and ate a bunch of sugar before you went to school, would you be able to sit in your seat? Just as a normal person without ADHD, without ADD issues, Mm -hmm. it, it just makes it real hard to concentrate and to be able to sit in your seat, right? Mm-hmm. and do what it is yeah. that the teacher wants you to do and, and not be buzzing all over the room so yeah so you know just thinking about about what you're eating as well yeah you know, what are you eating for breakfast and or yeah. lunch yeah because it'll also turn around and once that sugar crash happens because it will then you're tired so now they're tired and they can't concentrate. So first they're tired and hungry and, hungry and can't concentrate. concentrate. Then they're tired. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Okay, but for another chocolate pop tart. <laughs> exactly. Right? And that, that's okay. the thing that I think I bugs me the most is the, the packaging because oatmeal. My daughter loved the dinosaur egg oatmeal. There's so much sugar in that oatmeal. But you think as a young parent or as a new parent, whether you're young or not, you look at the packaging and you think you're giving your kids something really nutritious. And that is what, that's what just ticks me off is there's just no good education. And yesterday I posted a YouTube video on my personal channel about, you know, how we've evolved in nutrition through the years, looking back to World War II, pre-World War II, before packaged foods became a shelf item in the grocery store to where we're at right now and the activity of kids today 
right? I mean, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and even in the early part of the 80s, kids were active. They went outside. But as TVs became a more common amenity in our houses and as um, video games became a popular thing to have, kids became more lethargic. They became, they became much more sedentary. And, and the, the standard American diet got put into play in the 70s and this fat-free ideal and these seed and, and vegetable oils and don't eat good fats and the whole, it's just been this huge trickle effect and kids are just so unhealthy today yeah. compared to 50 years ago. And, and, the, and the problem I see though is the parents aren't educated either because they believe in the standard American right. diet. That's right. Yeah, and, but I mean, you think about it too, you just think about, I mean, listen to you talking about what was my routine for my kids and it was, okay, we're gonna go play ball. We don't get in until what, 6.37? Well, now we're eating or we've eaten a ballpark hot dog and then we come in and it's, oh, I'm hungry again. We'll go grab a bowl of ice cream, yeah. you know? So it's just like carb after sugar after process on top of it. My poor children, they they really didn't even know what healthy was because when I did cook healthy, it was so unhealthy. But in my mind, y'all, it really was because it was potatoes, meat, vegetables, loaded with some bacon fat. <laughs> and it was so good, but it was really bad. It's really bad. You don't think about it. Yeah. And I think what really disturbs me, which is why it's great with like what Brie does is because of one in three are at risk for diabetes and hypertension. Um, what's happening is we are putting our children at risk because these are silent killing diseases that nobody knows about. And because they're children, they're saying, yeah, but you're just a child. And so they're not providing, you know, the resources to stop it and prolong it. And it's just a never ending effect. And that's why I'm like, my poor kid, I've set him up unintentionally, of course, sure. but you know, it's, it's what it is, it's what it is. It's facts. Right. But the, the child diabetes, the type two diabetes in children has elevated threefold what it was 20 yeah. years ago. And it's just getting worse. Well, you think about oh, all the breakfast not. food that's promoted and even snacks between meals for kids and um, lunchtime mm -hmm. stuff, like everything is loaded with sugar. It's all processed and um, it's just not healthy because here's the thing. Those foods are convenient, like, and we're so about convenience, you know, and yeah. making that easier on ourselves. And we are busy moms, busy parents, busy working moms. Like, so it's hard to think okay, I'm going to take this time out and like cook all this food and chop up all these vegetables and fruits and all the stuff. So you really do have to make a priority to make time for it um, mm -hmm. and carve that out of your schedule, which is one of the things I like about fasting because it saves so much time on <laughs> buying groceries, meal prep, like all that stuff. Like, well, I'll have time to eat, so I'm just not going to do it. And that's okay. But um but your kids can't fast like that. That's not healthy. They can't when they're young. They cannot. You have to feed them. And so um, we have done and tried a lot of things over the years to um, feed them, make meal prep quick and things like that, like pre-baking stuff on or cooking things on like a Sunday night for the rest of the week for the kids to have to put in their lunches for school, for them to grab for breakfast um, and those kind of things. So those are really my favorite 
things to do is that when I have time, free time on the weekends, I would meal prep stuff for the kids to eat during the week. And um, I, I even tried some of those like the bento boxes, you know, that are so popular and like Pinteresty and stuff, you know. Yes. Um, but those didn't go over that well. You know, they don't have very, they have a very short amount of time to eat. And if it doesn't look as appealing as what is on someone else's plate, then they just will talk and not eat their food. And so I found that my kids were eating their food like on the way home from school on the bus when they finally had time to eat. And so that was one of the really hard things. But I realized when doing that and like it was a lot of work cleaning those and reusing them like every day trying to get their, you know, special vegetable things and fruit things and meat things like all the things filled up. And so we finally just went to like plastic bags that they could just throw away because they would lose all of the fancy things that I would send to them. <laughs> with school with all their, you know, food in it and stuff, they would lose it or get lost in the bus or they forget they had it or whatever. So simple is best and um, definitely doing the meal prep stuff. And here's the other thing is that we don't have like a set breakfast menu. We're all about eating real foods all day. So like we'll have soup for breakfast. We'll have pizza for breakfast. We'll have steak for breakfast we'll eat potatoes for breakfast, we'll have avocados, like we're not, um, you know, and we put nut butter and peanut butter and healthy fats on everything. So to up the satiety that they feel, you know, and the slow release of those calories over time so that they feel for a little longer, they don't have those blood sugar spikes and stuff. So I don't know, those are some of my hacks. So my kids will eat dinner food for breakfast as leftovers and stuff. We've just started that as a young age, like trying all kinds of food and experimenting with different things and just um you know sometimes I think it depends on the person though because some people love to be creative with food my husband and I love to do that we involve our kids in that all the time but some people are just like I could eat the same thing every day and it wouldn't bother me and so if you find something that works for you or that your kid wants to eat every day that's just fine yeah I think the simpler that you can make it the better and, and it's got to be what works for your family exactly so. But I love that idea. So I, uh, carbs are such a huge breakfast staple in a lot of homes, especially when kids are concerned, you know, here's a piece of toast, here's a Pop-Tart, here's whatever. Um, if you could throw a tablespoon of nut butter and an egg at them, that would be way more filling and keep them yep. more focused throughout the morning before they eat lunch than throwing them carbs. And, and so I think I love the idea of, you know, some breakfast hacks that I think we can certainly incorporate in our membership for people to just kind of get get them some ideas on how they could fill the kids up without giving them a sugar crash exactly I think that in the courses that I've taught that is the biggest problem it's like what do I eat for breakfast mm -hmm. you know and it's like yeah that's the hardest thing for people and interestingly enough Jordan um she loved whatever for breakfast so she would have, you know, dinner for breakfast. We would call it dinner for breakfast. So like, <laughs> whatever was in there. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't matter because she didn't care for traditional, you know, breakfast foods, yeah. which was probably a good thing. You know, I wasn't necessarily battling that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing, hacks you're talking about is, you know, depending upon your child and, um, and it doesn't really matter what age really is getting them involved in the shopping, going to the store, 
you know, so, you know, we're going to try a new vegetable this week, pick one out, you know, or a new fruit, you know, so they would find, you know, I remember trying dragon fruit because it was <laughs> so interesting and exotic looking, but, but yeah, but then it's like, it becomes at that and getting them to help with the cooking, because a lot of times if they're involved with it and they can say, I helped make dinner then they're also more inclined to eat it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and getting them involved in those different ways, I found to be very helpful. Um, well, I love that idea. You may too. or may not get help. <laughs> Depending upon their age, it might be help or not. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of them helping you shop because my big thing, Tyler and I have talked about it because we would love to have more kids. I walking through a store and letting them pick up something because it looks really fun on the box it has the dinosaur or the little monster on it or whatever or tony the tiger and then you get to explain to them why that's not an option and they're so smart and they're such little sponges at that point in their life that they'll soak that right in and hopefully take it with them into the later years yeah so. I think they do as long as you stick with it and as long as parents yeah. learn it, which is the important part of being uh, part of the membership is because, um, you know, being a mom like me, when you look at the box and you see healthy or you see different nut butters and you do find the one that says kids choice or pediatrician approved. You know, you you see that as being what you 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 should choose. And I think the part that I've picked up so far is. You know, there's a lot of different options and so encouraging your child to take those options I didn't do that if they wanted to eat a certain thing I was just happy they ate and I was going to mm -hmm. buy the cheapest because I wasn't going to be able but what I didn't realize is that's empty calories and teaching them how to truly eat will keep them healthier longer mm -hmm. plus now that Taylor's an adult his poor gut is so stuck on one thing that now he can't mix it up because it's you know it, anyway so I think just learning that introduction, um, sharing, yeah, the, the part about it is, is learning because once you figure it out, then it becomes a little bit easier. So I think that's what we can provide here. If there's somebody listening in there, like I hear what you're talking about, the things that we could do different or that the things that, you know, could not be healthy, but how do we make them healthy? So I'm encouraged to share some things about how to make it healthy. Absolutely. And when we move into our podcast that's coming up next week, I think it's important that we talk about in, understanding ingredients. Because yeah. I love what you were saying, Julie, about how you look at the label, you look at the front of it, and it says pediatric approved, number one, you know, kids choice or whatever. But it's also really important that people understand what big food companies do to get that label put on their boxes. Yes. And it's dirty work. Yeah. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sugar is an, an addiction. Um, it's really sad as an adult is what I learned that I have a sugar addiction and I hoard. And I think, I think at the end of the day, the importance about this is what I taught my child and didn't realize it. So, um, yeah. and I'm still trying to figure it out. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, I think it's also really important as parents that we don't carry guilt. We learn, we learn when we learn and we educate when we have the knowledge. So 
It is. It is. But yeah, the, the earlier we can learn, which is kind of the big purpose of our membership, is to help people learn earlier in life than we did, the better we can teach our own. Yeah. Oh, and it's never too late, is the oh, other no. thing, is because God created our bodies so forgiving that it, they can heal and it's not too late, you know, and teaching yeah. our children that, you know, as early as possible. I mean, for me and, and Bree, I think for you too, it was, we were learning as we were teaching, you know, it was, <laughs> it wasn't, it was real life. We were learning on the job <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of things that we learn, we unlearn because we learn things yeah. that aren't right. And then we have to unlearn those and learn things that are right because we just trust yeah. in what we're told or what we read initially, and then, you know, something new or more research comes out and it, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. And a lot of times we backslide. And so there may be times where we get to a point and we are really encouraged by what we're learning and what we're doing and we start seeing results and then we get stuck. And what happens? We stop. It's yeah. like we hit a stump. And so we just totally quit. And even to the point to where maybe we saw muscles or we could see abs, you know, like we see results. And I see that happen a lot where you build the change and then you just take a step back and you totally forget what you're doing. Um, we don't want you to do that. We want you to go forward. Absolutely. Which is, which is encouraging too, to know that there's other things that push you further than you ever knew about, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think well, that's I encourage another good thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think that's another good thing about, you know, being in the collective in the group is that there's four of us out there doing the research on what's happening now, because the information is changing so much that we can curate it for people, you know, and help them go, you know what, this is what we're hearing now, you know, in the echelons of the very holistic doctors, this is what they're finding and be able to to break that down into common language <laughs> yeah yeah well i encourage any of you listening to this podcast to stay tuned for the next podcast because we're going to move into a little deeper dive into nutrition and some yo-yo dieting conversation so join us next week for our next podcast thank you ladies thank you